This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. What do we have for everyone today, Kyle? Well, we're going to start a little mini-series here of the pros and cons of life insurance. And today, we're going to be talking about the cons. So we'll start with the bad news. Yeah. These are... I, I feel like we do need to tell people up front, though, we are biased, so we are going to defend these a little bit. But um, regardless, they are cons to life insurance. Yeah. I mean... But if you understand and like are doing what we're doing... Focusing on cash accumulation, you massively minimize these things. Yeah, there's pros and cons to everything. Like you cannot find something where there's not a pro or con to. So, yeah, it's it's to be expected. And you can feel free, like if you disagree with us on either a pro or con, like shoot us an email and we can talk about it. I mean, yeah, we are biased because we do believe in whole life insurance, but I mean, we also believe in truth too. So yeah, and we're not just gonna listen to what everybody else posts on the online you know yeah. criticizing it because yeah. it's just not whether you're looking at whole life insurance like basic whole life insurance used to buy death benefit or trying to build highly cash value with it what they say is not true in many circumstances or it's maybe misleading is a better way or, or, better term and they might be well they probably are a misunderstanding too Sure. Which then, how can they provide solid value when they're misunderstanding what they're talking about? Right. Which is AKA Dave Ramsey, but. Well, yeah. I mean, how do you be an expert in, in everything? I mean, yeah. Even if you are just in finance, there's a lot of different finance tools. Yeah. But. And everything has its own place. Yeah. And like we're in farming, mm-hmm. you know, so not just to criticize the finance industry, but look at farmers. You know, even if a guy is just a crop farmer, how many people do they have on their team? They usually have an agronomist. They have seed salesmen. Um, they have people typically at the co-ops that are helping them with either fertilizer recommendations or chemical uh, recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, they may have somebody that they work with on cover cropping, um, Marketing. For soil armor. Yeah, <laughs> look at all these people we've listed off, and they're just in crop farming okay so it's it's sort of like another industry finance yeah you're in finance and that's what you specialize in but you you still aren't an expert in everything in finance no and building that team is huge too which we've talked about how it's extremely hard to find good team members how to build that team we we were just talking about how hard it is to build a team not only in your farming operation but a cpa that you work well with and, and you align with how you think about finance. And I mean, we're just one piece of your finance team. Yeah. You know, we aren't tax experts. Um, we aren't experts when it comes to the market and things. Um, so this is what we are an expert in, though, is the whole life insurance aspect of your financial plan. And so that's why we're going to go through the pros and cons as to how we see it as experts in this specific finance industry. 
Yeah, and we're not just blindly promoting whole life insurance either. Just saying, yeah, you need to do all like it's not the same for everybody. So we're not gonna like recommend people to just dump immediately all the capital, liquid capital they have right now into whole life insurance. Or if somebody doesn't even have enough to start a policy and they really want to get started, we're not gonna like find some slimy way to get them started. I mean, we've both experienced in the farming world, like people giving you chemical fertilizer recommendations, seed recommendations, whatever, some sort of consulting recommendations to where it's benefiting them. Oh yeah, put more fertilizer on. Oh, use this program because it's going to help your efficiency while paying us 10 bucks an acre to use a computer program that's going to do nothing. I mean, <laughs> we, we know what it feels like. And so we're not going to, we're against all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, not to go too far down the rabbit hole too, but it, it it's sort of like the equipment thing too. You know, not only do you get recommendations for that, but you need this piece of equipment and, you know, you need auto steer for this piece of equipment and section control and everything like that. And then, uh, like you'll talk to your crop insurance agent. Oh, another agent on the team yeah. for a crop guy. Um, and he'll talk about how, you know, a guy with a John Deere 7,000 planter is raising yields that are very comparable to somebody with an exact emerge planner. And he knows that because he sees the literal yields that they are reporting for yeah. their <laughs> APHs. <laughs> and it's just like, how many things are we led down to believe that may have some merit of truth, but aren't, you know, the whole truth? Yes. And so, so that, to speak. Also, why it's very important that you need to be conscious of the pros and the cons of everything. Yeah. So I guess with all that rambling, we can kind of jump into it. <laughs> we can finally get started on yeah. the list. Yeah. So I guess the first thing on the list is the biggest issue that most people have is the unavoidable loss that's up front. You cannot get around it. No, you cannot buy something for nothing. Can't buy something for nothing. Um, you will never have uh, a life insurance policy, at least today with the products that are offered, where you have... <laughs> more cash value at the end of year one than what you paid in premium. No, but you also have a huge death. Well, huge compared to what you've paid. You have a very large death benefit at the beginning. So if you die, I mean, your, your family or whoever's going to get that death benefit. Sure. So we are paying for that. Yeah. Cause this is life insurance. We are, but to focus on the negative of it, cause this is a con mm-hmm. no matter how you buy this policy, whether it's a basic whole life policy or one, that we talk about all the time to give you high early cash value, access to money, capital right away. There is just no way that we can design a policy for you where you have all that money you've paid in premium back in year one. No. And if you need all that money right now, then this isn't the thing for you. No, not you this time. Not, you aren't ready for it right now. No. We can change designs and possibly companies to where we can kind of get your need met. Like if you need capital up front, like we can design the policy for that. Or if you want it longer term, we can design it for that too. Or if you're more focused on death benefit, we can design it for that as well. Yep. So, but we cannot overcome no. the fact of you having less money than what you've paid in. Yeah. And that is a con. I mean, I see that too. I understand yep. that, that I am buying life insurance and this isn't just a savings account. So I get it, but it is a con. Well, our personal policies are not broke even yet either. No, so yeah, we, I don't have a policy that has more 
cash value than what I've paid in premium. Yet. Not yet, no. So it's part of the game. Yeah. So um, one of the next things is the insurability limit. Like <clears throat> the insurance company limits how much life or death benefit that you can purchase. So even though you might have the capital to pay more premium, they may not allow you if you reach your human value. Human life value. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy that you can have the ability to purchase more life insurance, but the industry will limit you and will not let you buy more life insurance. Yeah. And, uh, cause usually everybody wants to sell you as much insurance as possible, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I want to sell you as much insurance as possible, but yeah. we're going to do it a lot differently with a lot different understanding yes. than what the typical industry standard goes by. But yeah, so that's also a different way to think about it is like they're, they actually have a limit of how much I can pay. Try to find that somewhere else. And I see that as a negative because what if I do want to pay more into this, which I do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's something that there are small, small things we can do to get around some of this. But we can't move the needle a lot. I mean, you can own policies on uh, your partner potentially. Um, but then the con business that, partners. But if you take a policy out on somebody else, then that death benefit goes against their human life value. So then they will be able to, they won't be able to get as much because that'll be counted against them. I think that that's going to depend on scenario though too, um, based on what that like. If it's a business arrangement, you know, that's probably not going to be counted against their personal. Maybe not, but in some instances it has been sure. Kind of Yeah, against. we've we've worked with agents or we work with mentors in the business that have absolutely had that happen on their cases mm-hmm. and they've shared those stories with us. Yeah. So that's gonna be yeah, case dependent for sure. sure. But it's uh it's a con and and it's something that we we cannot change. Yeah. So something that we deal with in our own lives and our own policies. Yep. So, uh, con number three, when you take a policy loan, you're paying the insurance company interest, not yourself. Yeah. I mean, I would love for that interest to go to me. Yep. (laughs) I'd love to pay. Well, 5% is what it is right now with both of my insurance policies, the loan rate. And I have money borrowed against one of my policies right now. And yeah, that, that loan interest is due to the insurance company. That is not coming back to me directly. It is helping the company be profitable, though. So, Which then in turn helps you. Yes. Yep. But it's re- con. Yeah, it's, it's a con. Yep. I don't get that whole 5%. Nope. So pretty, pretty basic one, but it's just, it is what it is. It's a common misconception that... Um, that we commonly come across, people think they get the interest, which we've talked about multiple times. Yeah, exactly. That this this comes from the whole uh, pay yourself back interest. Yeah, and and technically that's not what's happening. No, so that that's where this con comes from. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, now con number four. There are possible tax consequences. Yeah, these are these are big things that you should be aware of upfront before you ever even take out the policy. Yes. Um, it's easy to see, and a lot of people put it as, oh, yeah, this is tax-free, completely tax-free. Like you said, the true way to describe it is tax-deferred. Can it be used as tax-free? Yes. But 
It, we get ourselves in trouble in the industry by just referring to it as tax-free. Yes. Because that is not what is happening. Your cash surrender value is growing tax-deferred inside the life insurance policy. Explain what that means. Okay, so if you have cash value inside of your policy and you are not using it, like withdrawing the gains from the policy, it stays in the policy, growing tax-deferred, so you are not getting a 1099 sent to you every year for interest earned on that money. Mm-hmm. It'll stay inside the policy. If, if it was truly tax-free, we would be able to, to withdraw not only our, our basis, our cost basis from the policy, but we would be able to withdraw the gains from the policy as well without any tax consequence. When we withdraw up to our basis and then withdraw gains from the policy, we will receive a 1099 mm-hmm. from the company because we have pulled a gain from the policy. Tax is due. There are ways yeah. that you don't have to pay tax, though. Yes, we can, we can make it so we, don't, we avoid those taxes. But you need to understand that, that this is not a tax-free vehicle, but it can function that way. Yeah, so if you've paid $100,000 into the policy and your cash value is $150,000, you can withdraw that $100,000 tax-free because that is your cost basis. That is the cost basis. But if you would withdraw that at $50,000, that is the gain. And so you will um, have to pay tax on that. And potentially penalty yeah. if you're not 59 and a half years old. That's also true. A yes. 10% penalty. Yeah. That's kind of hefty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, is, this is, okay, so that was, that can be something that, people don't understand, but that's pretty basic. I mean, that's easy to understand. This is the big one. If your policy would lapse because of an outstanding loan, let's say going back to that example, you had, you had $150,000, but instead of withdrawing this money, you were borrowing against the policy. Now let's say that you did not service this policy loan because you don't have to, Mm -hmm. but the loan amount exceeds your cash value now. So you don't have enough cash value to collateralize the loan. So that means that the policy is no longer in force. Okay, You're going to receive warnings about this from the company, but if you don't do anything about it, the policy will not be in force anymore. So now you might have that $150,000 tied up in some type of business operation, and you have tax due, in Kyle's example, on the $50,000 in gains. Yep. Not fun. Not fun because <laughs> if you have it, it, see, it's not such a big deal if you're withdrawing the money because you have money right there. Yeah. But if that money is all tied up in something and because of a policy loan, you lapse it. And, and I mean, this is a small example. These things, um, if you're using these for retirement income, that's potentially a huge trap when you by far have more money in gains than you do in cost basis. Yeah. Where where maybe instead of it's a hundred thousand in basis and a hundred and fifty thousand total, so fifty thousand of gains, maybe we have um, you know, a hundred and fifty thousand of cost basis and a million dollars in policy cash value. Now you can start to see, whoa, that would be a huge tax consequence. Yeah. And this sounds scary and stuff, but like you are going to be aware of this happening. If you're our client 
we're going to do everything we can to prevent it from getting to that situation. Also, with the company contacting you and being like, "Hey, like this thing's going to lapse." So, Absolutely, and and we should say, you know, if somebody is using their policy this heavily, we're going to be in, you know, we are going to be in contact with you, you know, explaining to you the fact that you do not have to pay back this policy loan, but it is in your best interest. Yes. When it is feasible for you to start paying this back. Unless you're using it for income distribution in later years. Sure. Sure. But yeah. And, and I mean, there's, I mean, that could be a podcast for a later time. Sure. Um, but well, good. We need some more ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Please share ideas with us for the podcast. We really appreciate them. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think this is a big one. Just because uh, people don't see that, they don't think about that whole po- outstanding policy loan potential tax consequence Sure. in the future. Yeah. And I mean, that, wow, that would be a big shock. Well, that's also something that's not talked about very much, too, in that IBC world, anyways. No. You don't hear a lot about it. No. Uh, yeah, that's very true. But something to be very well aware of. Yes. And that would be a huge con if that were to happen. Yeah. So that's why it made our list. That's a, that'd be a very bad day. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next con. There is a higher cost of death benefit with whole life when compared to term life. Yeah. So if you strictly need a million dollars of death benefit today and, you know, you do everything right financially and you can do the so-called self-insuring, you know, everything worked out to where you built up a massive nest egg um, you have your debts paid off, everything's in order, you know, maybe term life was a good fit for you. Not that whole life couldn't have fit in, but if we're, I mean, if we're looking at it on a dollar to dollar or a, excuse me, a, a death benefit to death benefit ratio, I mean, yeah, term life is way cheap. It's going to be cheaper today, but also a 2% or less possibility of it ever paying out whole life. As long as you Keep the policy in force, 100% guaranteed to get the death benefit. Absolutely. So what is, that's where it's hard to make a cost comparison. Yeah. Because what about, you know, I think the last statistic I saw was 1.11% of term policies um, Pay, actually yeah. paying out. Whether that's because of, of people canceling them because they don't think they need them anymore or they just expire because, mm-hmm. um, you know, they reach their term limit. But, I mean, that's a serious cost to the 98.89% of people who pay premiums for 30 years or 10 years or 7 years or whatever it is and don't ever receive a benefit aside from they had protection during that time. Yeah. Yep. So, definitely a con, though. I mean, if you need a lot of death benefit protection, whole life insurance is going to initially cost you way more money up front to get that protection. Yeah. And it could be a scenario where, you know, you look at a combination of, well, this is what I can do right now. This is how I could, you know, generate or excuse me, this is this is what I can do premium wise yearly for a policy to build up cash value. But I need this much insurance. Okay, let's start looking at convertible term or something like that mm-hmm. to maximize um or get all the death benefit that you need. Sure. But yeah, on, on a cost basis. That's, there's no, yeah, there's no denying it. Sure. So, so to wrap this up, the last con, um, 
is the black box of whole life, which is people can say, yeah, it's it's not clear. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be honest. Personally, I think this is overblown um, because people will say, well, I don't know exactly what this is costing me. I guess we should probably tell people what the black box is if they don't know. Oh, okay. So with whole life insurance, um, you don't know exactly what it costs for that death benefit. You don't know exactly how the dividend is being calculated on your policy. Mm-hmm. You, you see gross numbers. You see, like, well, the you see rate. the net numbers at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm the advertised numbers. So like, oh, in, oh I see. You're talking about the, dividend interest yeah, rates. The dividend interest sure. rate is a gross number. Sure. Yeah. And so all these things, like you can't directly use like the dividend interest rate to calculate the growth on your money sure. this year. Yep. And I mean, there is merit to that. I, I don't deny that at all. And that can be very confusing to people. Um, I think that there are various reasons why the insurance company can't just publish a rate because it's different for 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 60-year-olds. Depends how long policies have been enforced. Sure. So, I mean, I think there's good reason, and and they can't necessarily do that, um, provide a net number versus a gross number. Um, but at the end of the day, this is my defense to the black box, is that we can see how much cash value that we have access to. Mm-hmm. And... By being able to see that, we can calculate our internal rate of return on our cash value. And that, to me, is worth a lot. Uh, That's the most important thing to me. If we're focusing on cash accumulation, knowing how much capital we have access to, we can look at that, and we can see what the the internal rate of return is on that. Whether it's negative, like it is in your, your policy and my policy right now because we're in the beginning years, or what it is in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. Like we did that uh, Northwestern Mutual policy reveal. Yeah. You could see exactly how much cash surrender value there is with the policy. You can see how much money you have access to via policy loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can calculate the internal rate of return on the policy. And you can compare to your initial illustration. Like we can get in-force illustration three years down the road, see how things have changed, see what it looks like compared to the original one, if that's something you care about. Yeah. And so, like, I, I, I completely agree with the fact that you don't know exactly what's going on. Like, we, Kyle and I can't sit down and, and tell you exactly how they calculated this. But at, the, but at the end of the day, the most important thing we have, we know. It's how much capital you have access to. Yeah. So. That's yeah. what this is all about. Yeah. I mean, cannot deny that there is, there is definitely some things done behind cl- closed doors that we don't have access to to see how the insurance company calculates these things but in my eyes we have we can see the most important thing well the other thing to consider too is it's not like there's just one insurance company that can just screw you over i mean there's multiple insurance companies competing that want business so that keeps them honest as well so one of them just can't be you know screwing people because then people are going to write with them it's it's a competitive industry yeah and and not only that um these companies uh, have to deal with state regulators as well. And I'm not saying that they can catch everything, but that's a lot of people to get, you know, a supposed lie through to, you know, because sure. of the black box, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a competitive industry. 
And these companies, they don't want to lower dividend rates. No. You know, they don't want to have a policy that performs um, less than what they illustrated. But if that's what the economic times are, I mean, that's just... It is what it is. It is so. what it is. You know, they don't... I, I, I heard this on another podcast. Um, you know, they said life insurance companies don't operate in a vacuum, you know? Mm-hmm. Look at what savings rates have done on CDs and money market accounts. I mean... Sure. There was a time years ago where you could get double digits on CDs, but I mean, that's just not the world we live in today. Not right now anyways. So, but yeah, I think that kind of wraps up this part. Um, we'll continue with our next podcast with the pros. Yeah. And I know that I, I specifically tried to turn a lot of these not into cons, (laughs) but, um, I just feel that there is truth to all these, but you know, don't be misled so far to believing that this is a bad thing. Just understand these things are possible, but when executed correctly, it can work beautifully. Every product has costs to it. And every product that has negatives and positives to it. And this is just the same thing. Absolutely. I mean, it isn't, it isn't the end-all be-all, but it's a great piece of the strategy. Yes. Yeah. That's that's I think that's important to say because that can be thrown around with so many things. Like we've talked about the stock market is usually depicted as the end all be all or the whole life insurance people end all be all. Sure. No. I mean depends on the situation, the person, the goal. Yeah. And just to tease a little bit, we do have an episode upcoming um about the stock market. So um our- where we rant and rave at how much we hate the stock market. <laughs> well, something like that, I think. <laughs> we won't tell them everything. Yeah. So Okay. <laughs> That's all we have for the con list. Yep. So hope you guys tune in next week when we talk about the pros. And thanks for tuning in this week. Yep. Thanks, guys. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.